good day, everyone, and welcome to the Charles Aris Ag Tech podcast series. A little bit of information to our listeners at Charles Aris. Um, Charles Aris has been around for 55 years now. Um, in recent years, we've worked with over 100 private equity firms and their portfolios. Uh, within our agriculture practice, we have worked with a number of ag tech private equity firms, and we continue to uh, grow out our relationships. This particular series, we're having a look at ag tech and what may be some improvements as it relates to investments and processes and approaches with various products and services. And today, we're fortunate to have Hunter Swisher with Foss Solutions uh, with us today and looking forward to having you uh, with us, Hunter. So welcome. Hunter, would you please provide an overview of your role in organization? Yeah, sure, Eric. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to be here. My name, as you mentioned, Hunter Swisher, and I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Foss Solutions. Uh, we're a growth stage startup company developing technologies for making fertilizer more efficient. We specifically market a patented technology today called Rhizosorb, uh, and that technology is embedded directly upstream into fertilizer manufacturing of conventional phosphate being sold on the market today. We've been able to prove that our solution reduces fertilizer use by 50% while still maintaining yields in crops like uh, corn and soybean. So happy to be here today, Eric. Thanks. That's awesome. Hunter, uh, can you take us through the key milestones in your career path, starting with your early experiences to where you are now? Yeah, sure. So my story is uh, quite brief. Um, I'm actually a first-time founder, uh, and and I actually started this business, Foss Solutions, during undergraduate um, education at Penn State. Uh, so really, my career path has been very focused on making Foss Solutions successful over the last eight years. Uh, and really, my earliest experiences were, were actually quite technical. So I went to school for plant sciences and was really set out to go get a PhD and continue my education. Um, but while sitting in a classroom uh, as an undergraduate, I was able to learn about a technology that a professor of mine had developed. And I quickly found out that um, no one had ever taken that technology to market or pursued commercialization. And so I essentially um, really took down the path of figuring out how do we take this out of the intellectual property office and spin this out into a company? Uh, and so I was successful in doing that, um, spinning out two patents from the university to form Foss Solutions in 2016. And really, uh, being a scientist by training, I was quickly thrown into the business world. Uh, and so I spent those first couple of years really navigating startup accelerators, business pitch competitions, and, and eventually went on to really kind of put my head down and, and develop uh, eight additional patents that were independent of the university. Um, so quickly after forming the company, you know, I was out raising venture capital from leading agricultural companies and investors. We were hiring an executive team and turning that technology into really what now has become a marketable product uh, being sold all across North America. And then lastly, you know, as, as we've been quickly scaling the business over the last eight years, we're now officially launching pretty rapidly at an international scale. So working with some of our key partnerships uh, with some of the largest fertilizer companies in the world to bring a more sustainable product uh, to to some of these uh, key agricultural markets around the world. That is awesome, Hunter, and mighty impressive. Uh, on the heels of that, um, if you, as you think about your early professional experience, uh, talk to us about some um, challenges that or shortcomings that you found particularly impactful. Um, for example, uh, what are some of the challenges you faced starting your business and how did you overcome them? Yeah, Eric. So I think, look, in any startup or business, um, 
I, I believe that challenges and shortcomings are just kind of a natural part of the job, specifically in the startup world. Um, but for us, you know, we're building something that's never been done before, and there really isn't a blueprint on, on out there on how to succeed. Um, and so I think what we like to talk about at Boss Solutions is the term failing fast. And for us, I think failures are really just an opportunity to learn and grow. And challenges that we overcome are just kind of natural hurdles that we work harder to overcome every day. Um, I think if, if I was to point out one particular challenge that I know that we face in our industry or business, uh, being in the agricultural world, the timeline to take a new product to market is long. And I think in agriculture, specifically fertilizer, you really only get one chance a year to get something on the ground to trial it. So that product development timeline and that adoption curve is quite slow compared to other industries uh, in other verticals like software development, right? Where you can iterate at a very quick pace. So to be able to get a new product to market, it really requires uh, patient capital and realistic expectations. You don't want to assume that basically year one, because you launch something that everyone's going to come running, breaking down your door to buy the product. And I think for us, we really overcame this challenge by both finding the right investors who understand the business needs, are familiar with agricultural adoption curves, really understand this can be a five-year process from idea to, to sale. And then by also being able to find the right research partners and subject matter experts to ensure that that development timeline was being as fast as possible, the mistakes that can occur can put you back a whole year uh, in terms of development timeline. So I think for us, um, you know, I, I'd say the last thing here is just making sure that we leveraged our key farmer networks of early adopters. So, so people that are very willing to not only try the technology, but actually run the trials the right way. Um, so really, I think that combined approach, just making sure that, you know, speed is, is, is happening here because every year that, that gets behind you is another year you have to raise capital to get the runway to get through. Well, I'm sure some of the farmers that you've um, interacted with early on appreciate your approach. Um, it solidifies and backs up some of the comments that I recently heard at an ag tech investor conference here in North Carolina. Yeah, Eric, Hi. and I would, I would also say, um, you know, kind of from a personal standpoint, you know, one of the challenges for me personally has been that I, I wasn't a business guy by training. I didn't come out of the, the uh, College of Business, came out of the College of Ag. And um, although, you know, I had a, a great basic understanding from some of the curriculum at Penn State, it really wasn't focused on building a business. And so I think for myself personally, I really had to, to lean in um, early on building that mentor group for myself personally to be able to really pick up at a, at a pretty rapid pace um, uh, how to go do this for the first time. And I think that also included, you know, uh, hiring a pretty experienced executive team really early on. So even as a kind of early stage startup, we were able to bring in some pretty high hitting executives out of the ag tech world uh, at some of the leading ag companies around the world and, and bringing that network and leaning on them as in addition to our investors and, and mentors, um, I, I think has completely accelerated how quickly the business has been able to grow. Sounds like you've uh, done the practice of surrounding yourself with people smarter than yourself, Hunter. <laughs> they all are quite smarter than me, Eric. <laughs> um, suppose someone is uh, introducing a, a new technology to your organization, Hunter. What advice would you offer them? I'd like to say don't leave with the technology. Um, leave with why it matters to me. I think too often companies approach uh, me to spend time learning about their cool technology. And although it's, I'm very technical, I like to talk about cool technology. Uh, it's, it's really something where if you're trying to grab my attention, I don't have time to take everybody's call. Uh, and as much as I'd love to learn about everything new, that's unrealistic. And so I think I want to spend my time on things that I feel have the most impact, um, specifically for my business. 
So start off by telling me what I'm missing and what an impact of the technology could have for me or the market. And let me ask to learn more about how it works at the depth that I actually find necessary. And I think all too often, uh, specifically in the startup world, founders lead uh, with how cool the technology is and how it works. And, and ultimately, that's not the interesting part. It's what does it do for me? That Stephen Covey habit, seek first to understand rather than be understood, comes into play. Absolutely. Um, with rapid pace of technological change, what talent needs are being exposed from your perspective, Hunter? Yeah, so I'd say agriculture aside, I think it's pretty clear that the world needs more highly trained professionals in the fields of AI, machine learning, computer programming, engineering. It's clear that these types of, um, uh, I'd say, highly technical backgrounds are constantly in demand. And you can see that they're also some of the more highly compensated roles, uh, even coming straight out of college. I would say, though, specifically for, for my industry and in agriculture, we need more trained professionals um, in the field who understand agronomy. I think one of the challenges is, is that the talent pool is aging, and there's a lots of people that are heading into retirement in the near term. Um, and I think with emerging companies coming up in this space, a huge wave of, of new companies every day is coming into the agricultural industry. But the actual talent pool for some of the boots on the ground uh, in this industry are shrinking. That talent pool is shrinking why those talent needs are growing. Um, so I think there's a huge opportunity for folks that wanted to get into agriculture uh, to get involved now. I agree with you wholeheartedly. My father was an agronomist and I really didn't appreciate until my thirties or forties, what a valuable skill set that had to the industry. Absolutely. Ag tech investing is um, undergoing a valuation reset across the board due to overvaluations the last couple of years. What do you think ag tech firms um, how do you think they could overcome this, this challenge? Yeah, I think strong fundamentals, Eric. I think the days where we can raise capital based on a vision is, and vision alone is, is over. I think good visions seem to be a dime a dozen these days. I think really what drives investment in a downturn like today is clear path to profitability. People having experienced management teams, they show that they have a complete control on expenses. They have a strong execution plan. And that's what invest investors want to see. I think if companies can raise capital, even if at lower valuations or less capital than they expected, um, so their runway is even shorter than they, they would hope, it's still better off making it through this downturn by raising that capital than it is to uh, go under. And I think there's lots of really great companies today that are struggling to raise and ultimately shutting down. And I always like to say that, you know, dilution is better than dissolution. Uh, so you know, take the capital while it's there and, and keep building your business and better times are to come. Very good. Totally on a side note here, what's one piece of technology, Hunter, that you couldn't go without in your day-to-day -day work? All right. So although it's highly controversial because I have green techs that come in, personally for me, I'm an Android user. And I think uh, going a day without having access to my phone is quite tough running a business. So um, I'd say it's a pretty critical thing to, to stay in touch while I'm a road warrior traveling uh, most weeks. Got to have the phone, and I certainly uh, prefer the Android operating system. And it's amazing how we rely on the apps associated with it, for sure. <laughs> Hunter, you've you've had an excellent career so far, and congratulations on that. Um, I'm I'm sure there's going to be some younger professionals listening in on this podcast. What's one piece of advice you'd give someone looking to start their own company in the agricultural industry today? Eric, I'd say there's never been a better time to start a company in agriculture. And, uh, and I would say well, my, my one piece of advice is, is uh, as you're building that company or considering to build that company, 
don't forget to talk to the farmer when building your product. I think uh, you can have the best technology in the world, but if you don't build something that the farmer can easily use and provides value to their operation, who cares? It won't sell. And, uh, and I think that all too often, we don't let the farmer help us build our product. And unless you grew up on a farm or actively farming today, how are you supposed to know what challenges exist and how are you supposed to understand how your solution is going to fit into what they're doing today on farm? Um, so really this advice I think applies to any industry vertical, really talk to your customer as you build your product. But uh, specifically, um, I'd talk to the farmer as early as you can. I wouldn't even waste your time starting the actual business until you start talking to the farmer about it. So that's my piece of advice for anyone interested. Uh, start now. It's the best time uh, to start something new. Well, the farmers um, in their decision process on this, one of the frustrations that they've shared is if it's not applicable and it's not going to increase their profits and save them money, it's likely not going to be of use to the farmer. Well, Hunter, thank you for joining us today. We greatly appreciate uh, your presence and uh, willingness to um, share some time with us today. To our listeners, uh, if you want to learn more about our podcast series, go to charlesarius.com. Hunter, is there anything you'd like to share as you wrap up and close out with us? Eric, I want to appreciate the opportunity to be here today. And uh, for those listening in, if you're um, interested in learning more about our mission to enhance global phosphorus use or about our technologies to make fertilizer uh, more cost-effective, please reach out at phospholutions.com. That's P-H-O-S-P-H-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com. Thanks. Thank you very much. And to all our listeners once more, Happy New Year and make it a great year in 2024.